The series of earthquakes which shook the Cook Strait region earlier this year has left small communities in the top of the South Island still struggling to pick up the pieces. While many in Marlborough are moving on with new buildings and new homes, some in the outlying rural areas have been left with the residual but damaging effects of experiencing such a frightening event. This Radio New Zealand Insight programme asks how the people of Seddon and its neighbouring communities are coping in the run-up to Christmas. In the middle of July this year, people throughout central New Zealand reported a series of earthquakes over a period of a few days. At first, it seemed nothing to worry about, but then just after five o'clock on July the 21st, everything changed. The first shake, which Giannette says measured magnitude 6.5, struck at nine minutes past five. A second quake, measuring 5.2, hit just minutes later. They were both centred east... Alison Hussain spent yesterday in Seddon and Blenheim. Tell us what it was like when the, when the earthquake hit. I heard a rumble first, followed by severe shaking from side to side. Everything in the room was rattling and I just jumped under the desk... And a major 6.5 earthquake had struck 20 kilometres east of Seddon and it hit the communities of Marlborough's Awatere Valley the hardest. Although some damage was reported, it seemed the region had got off reasonably lightly until the afternoon of August the 16th, when a 6.6 quake struck under Lake Grasmere, just 10 kilometres away from Seddon. We were inside with our two little kids, and it was actually pretty scary. We both just grabbed one each and ran and hid in the doorway and waited for a bit of a lull patch, and then we ran outside and had another big one. And um, we actually packed up and went to town and stayed at my mum's because I wasn't staying here overnight. <laughs> This time, every single home in the small township of Seddon was damaged. No one was killed or seriously hurt, but the damage to infrastructure was extensive and left the small communities of Seddon, Ward and the nearby outlying rural areas broken and bruised. I'm Alison Hossein and this insight looks at how businesses, farmers and locals throughout the Awatere Valley are coping as they prepare for Christmas and investigates what damage living through such a traumatic event in a rural community is doing to their mental health. Good evening, this is Mary Wilson with Checkpoint on Radio New Zealand National. Today, another severe earthquake rocks central New Zealand. will bring you full cover. In the immediate aftermath of the 6.6 quake on August the 16th, Around a third of the population of the Awatere Valley scrambled to leave town, choosing to stay with family and friends in Blenheim and Picton. Many have now returned to the area, but the permanent departure of some has left its mark on the business community in Seddon. Well, currently I'm in Seddon itself in a takeaway store that is sadly empty due to the tenants leaving. But I'm joined by Marie Flowerday, who's a local businesswoman and has been heavily involved in the community clear-up. Marie, what are things like here now? A lot quieter than it was prior to the earthquake, mainly because um, it's not looking that wonderful and there's still a bit of tape up and it still looks a little bit like a red zone. But, um, yeah, I guess... Um, we're on the main road and travellers are still going past, so hopefully we need to entice them to stop. And as I mentioned, we're currently in one of the takeaway stores that's empty. I mean, how easy is it for you as, as the owner of this sort of property to get to persuade people to actually move to Seddon at the moment? 
uh, it'd be nice just to get them to stop, not necessarily move. But um, I'm, I'm confident that um, businesses will pick up again, and it's just like anything, you know, there's going to be that time where people are unsure, and we're still getting aftershocks, so um, we're just making sort of um, remedial work to the building, but we're not, you know, we're getting, getting our scopes of work to complete it, but we're not rushing because each, each aftershock would, just rattles a bit more plaster out, so... Um, it will be done over the next wee while. One of the businesses worst affected was the Cozy Corner Cafe in Seddon. Its owner, Linda Horton, says it's hit them hard. All the windows blew out in the front. P&E in Blenheim, the people who work in Blenheim, they come out and fixed all the windows for us. Just straight away, first thing Monday morning, and we were reopened on Tuesday morning. We've had to pay everything because our excess was 66 grand. And because we couldn't come up to nowhere near that, we have to pay everything ourselves. And I suppose all up it would have cost us 15 grand to fix up so far. But a lot of it we're not going to worry about at the moment. The primary school in Seddon was a focal point for the community in the days after the quake, with the welfare centre and civil defence staff set up at the school. The school was a lifeline for many parents, with the acting principal, Nick Rayner, sending a text message to all of them within moments of the quake to let them know their children were safe. It's just using a smartphone, uh, iPhone, and it was something I thought, well, I'm taking over as boss, I'd better get myself an iPhone, so that was a good excuse. Got everybody's phone number in there, and uh, as soon as we evacuated, I thought, you know, we're going to have mass panic here, so I sent a text out to every parent. Uh, they all got that within within seconds, within minutes. Uh, I think some of them said, you know, they were at that second of going 150 k's down State Highway 1, and it just calmed them down just to give them that reassurance. He says the children have coped remarkably well with the experience. I think most of them are back to normal, and it's in the past, it's history, and they've moved on, and there's no no major issues. Uh, we're getting the odd bump now and again. And I think that just reminds them, you know, what's happened and what could happen again, and. Those that are a bit, bit vulnerable, you know, maybe just a little bit of anxiety occasionally, but it's, you know, 90 odd percent, you'd never know really. Seddon School's principal, Tanya Pringle, was overseas at the time of the earthquakes and says it's hard for her to fully appreciate what the children have been through. I don't understand how people um, felt going through the earthquake. So I can come back and I can help pick up the pieces and do the follow-up and the clean-up and the rebuild in some ways, um, but not... Um, I don't know what it was like, that fear that they went through on the day of that earthquake and the, the straight-after immediate trauma that everybody went through. I spent a lunchtime in the playground at Seddon School chatting to the children about how they're coping. We lost our house, but, yeah, so we moved into a new house, but, um, yeah, it's all right. You sort of get over it by now. It's sort of annoying, but we've sort of got used to our new house now and it's a bit better. My friend lost her house completely um, and they have to, like, dig it out and everything. Uh, and they've moved, like, right into Seddon's. But it's fine, yeah. I lost my house. Yeah, it was very sad. Mum's doing okay. Dad's started, well, he's quite upset because he's spent nine years doing it up. 
The principal at Ward School, Hayden Van Lent, says the children at his school quickly bounced back after the quakes. Soon after the, uh, the earthquake happened, we had fantastic results, with, uh, particularly sporting-wise, with the, the, the local rugby team. Another, another example, the S7-8s, with their technology, they, they came first in their uh, competition that they did. So all of these different things were happening soon after the earthquake, and so it just goes to show with all these outstanding results that actually they, they stood up and got on with things. I've travelled further south along State Highway 1 to the Dominion Salt Works at Lake Grasmere. This is about as close as you can get to the epicentre of the August quake. I'm joined now by the site manager here, Gavin Williams. Gavin, can you tell us, what, what are we looking at here? Um, this is a large uh, limestone rock that was put here as a, um, to mount our plaque on when we first opened our vacuum refinery in the early 1970s. And as you can see, it, uh, it used to sit at the same level as the uh, pavement all around it, but um, during the earthquake you can see that that large rock has uh, settled by about 250 millimetres down, uh, down into the ground. And um, So that's just a good example of how much uh, certain areas around here the, uh, the ground has shifted. And how much um, damage have you sustained to the buildings here? We've had quite significant damage to some buildings here. Remarkably, though, our production units um, came through the whole thing very well, and I think we were only down for two and a half weeks before we were up uh, producing again. With the earthquake's epicentre being so close and so shallow, the employees at the salt works had a very frightening experience. A process worker at the salt works, Ramey Hammond, describes what it was like. Absolutely terrifying. You had some screaming, growing men dropping to their knees before you, and you're worrying if your family's all right. So was it a real shaking from side to side, a jolt, loud noise, all of the above? <laughs> all the above. The, yeah, one of the ladies upstairs actually got a bruise on her bottom from where the doorway was hitting her. And yeah, it was just the noise from the racking system. It was horrific, it really was. What was it like after that day coming back to work? Did you find it a bit scary, remembering what it was like on the day of the quake? Um, if I didn't come back on the Tuesday, I don't know whether I would have. But in all honesty, I felt better here around everybody than I did sitting at home on my own. Gavin Williams says the resilience of his staff has been incredible. It's a pretty traumatic sort of an event to um, to be subjected to, and uh, and the people here have just amazed me, to be honest. Um, initially, in that first two weeks to get the plants up and going, there was an awful lot of work to do, and uh, it really brought the best out in people. Yeah, it was it was amazing. They just got stuck in, and and we got the place going again, and uh, I can't thank them enough. Really, we haven't lost any staff. Um, so all of our staff have remained, despite, you know, some staff having sustained, you know, pretty significant damage to their own homes as well. So it's not just a, um, a different and challenging environment at work, it's actually then going home to a, a house that's uh, damaged as well and having to deal with that at the same time. But as some people are making progress in moving on after the quakes, others in the rural outlying areas such as Blind River and Taimate are still struggling to cope. I travelled to Doug Avery's farm, which is very close to the epicentre of the quake. We're affected in a multitude of ways, really. Uh, I guess the first thing was the terror of the event. 
and uh, that affected everybody uh, differently, you know, um, different personalities cope with that sort of thing. Some people in our business carried on as though nothing had happened and others were pretty shattered at the time. Um, it also pretty much doubled our workload, which was um, already pretty well heavily planned, and we were in the processes of recovering from a wind event, and so we went into a position of really having twice as much work and uh, and the normal programme of the business to run. So um, the wind event had, had destroyed a lot of the infrastructure around the farm, but left our houses pretty much un, un, uh, interfered with. Uh, the earthquake made sure that our houses joined the queue of damage. And uh, so initially it took about probably a month of chasing our tail with water systems and um, building damage and also the fact that uh, in the first three or four days after the earthquake there were so many aftershocks that uh, very little sleep was achieved. So I think for younger people they might cope with that a bit better but uh, us old poor buggers we find... Uh, several nights in a row with no sleep um, takes you into a, a pretty uh, a challenged position and so yeah it drained us right down and then we had the um, the uh, challenge of all that uh, extra work. Um, around here quite a lot of the people who were actually indoors at the time have taken a much bigger mental hit uh, and that was predominantly women and young children and um, I think that those people um, men always think that they're the rock of a family, but when they see their wives um, mentally knocked around, that has a um, sort of a, a, another dimensional effect on them as well. And I certainly feel that myself. Um, my wife was severely affected uh, at that time. Must be incredibly hard to cope. Ah, uh, you know, we're, but we're away now, and uh, and um, we're, we've we've set some deadlines, and we've got some. Um, a lot of traction going on and, and the, to me the greatest way to heal that sort of thing is when you start getting involved in uh, things that make you feel good and uh, so we've had a builder here and he's he's rebuilt two sheds that were destroyed by wind. You know, we're, we're now to the stage where in, in two years time we'll look back and think wow that's okay and the help from likes of the Rural Support Trust and many many other organisations was overwhelming. Um, <laughs> We probably went the best part of a month without hardly out eating our own food because so much generosity flowed into our house and um, we found that hard to take. Uh, but it was, it was lovely. The Top of the South Rural Trust has been instrumental in providing support to the farming community and its field facilitator Ian Blair says the pressure on many farmers has been immense. What tends to happen out in the country is that depression and anxiety because males are particularly stoic, uh, can build up. And while they don't think it's affecting the family and the other members which surround them, it is. And if they're not talking to people and not getting advice and not talking through their issues, then we face the move from anxiety and depression into, you know, is this all really worth it? And at the present time in the, in the rural community, and talking nationally, we have one suicide every fortnight. So... Uh, and for every successful suicide, there's probably five which haven't been successful. Uh, so it's a problem, and unfortunately rural males also have the means of doing it. He says there are concerns the stress could manifest itself into violence in the home. The question has been raised about the rise in domestic violence, and certainly that has, tends to, appears to be happening. 
We're not getting uh, reports back from the police, but certainly uh, the observation is that it's happening out there. And there's the stress of that. And of course, um, we tend to take or look at things like alcohol to relieve stress, uh, so that there is a, probably a lot more drinking which is going on out there. And so, yes, there is, there is the opportunity for more domestic violence. He says it's crucial to give men in rural situations the chance to talk. The woman who is used to communicating with other people will often do the talking and the male will hide behind her. So you've got to come up with some really crafty strategies to separate the woman from, from the man and that can be done by another person while you're involved with the male. And you've got to get them to a relaxed attitude uh, and many times that the easiest way to do that is sit around a table with a cup of tea. Something in the hand, you get something in the hand of a male, their whole attitude changes. If you're talking to them and they've got their arms folded or hands in their pocket, then you know you've got major problems. Once you get their hands out of their pockets and a cup of tea is good, then they start talking. Statistics from Marlborough Police show there has been an increase in family violence incidents in the region since July this year, compared with similar figures from 2012. But Marlborough Area Commander Simon Feltham says he cannot make a definite link between this and the earthquakes. There was a rise in domestic violence in Canterbury after the earthquakes there, and he says it's possible this may also occur in Marlborough over the next six months, as other stresses like Christmas come into play. Marlborough District Council's Earthquake Recovery Manager Dean Hefford says they are closely watching for any warning signs. I don't have any direct evidence. It is something we've discussed around the Welfare Recovery Planning Group because Christmas tends to bring out these stresses anyway. This on top of it could exacerbate that and because of what people have learned in the Canterbury situation we are looking out for those signs. Uh, but that's why we have our welfare support groups and the police and others, just keeping an eye out and asking the community to look after each other and spot the signs and if they need help to ask for it. And often that's the hardest thing for people to do is actually ask for the help or for someone to say, this person needs help. The Salvation Army's Corps Officer in Blenheim, Lachlan Marshall, says getting rural men to admit they need help is half the battle. Oh, I would say it's really difficult for them to ask. Um, some of the places we, we turned up they were like really blown away that someone would just want to come and give them a hand. And um, some of them were quite overwhelmed that we were willing just to turn up and offer a hand wherever, like mow lawns or chop trees down. I, I think for some of them, very hard to ask for help. You know, traditionally, I suppose, they've always been able to just do it themselves. One, one guy commented he didn't realise how much energy had been taken out of him um, by the earthquake. And when he went to work one day, he, he didn't realise how tired he was until he actually worked all day. Massa University's Joint Centre for Disaster Research has been involved with assisting the communities hardest hit by the quakes and the related mental stress. Its associate professor, Dr Saab Johal, who travelled to Seddon to offer support to those most affected, says it's important to recognise the warning signs. When people are feeling very, very tired and because of lack of sleep, um, when people uh, are finding it difficult to look after themselves, they're, they're, they're working lots and lots of long hours because they feel like they've fallen behind and they're never kind of getting back on top of things again. Or if people have been quite preoccupied by fear, 
or lots of other um, spiky emotions like anger or blaming people for things not having worked out very well. Um, if people are kind of stuck in that uh, emotional nexus of these quite negative emotions, that might be a bit of an indicator, particularly if that's new, that there's something going on for them. The civil defence engine which roared into life in the immediate aftermath of the quakes has been widely perceived as a success. Marlborough District Council's Emergency Services Manager John Foley says the efforts of the hundreds of volunteers were outstanding. I think they did an extraordinary job because some of the fire service um, people, for instance, from Seddon themselves, um, and I know some of their houses were damaged, they didn't look at their properties probably for two days before they managed to have a decent look, so they just... It's just the way they are, I suppose. Part of volunteering, get on with it, help the other people and then worry about yourself a bit later on. In the Awateri Valley, neighbours are still taking the time to look after each other. Seddon's Anglican Church sustained serious damage in the quakes, leaving its congregation homeless. But they were quickly welcomed in by the nearby Catholic Church and a very special relationship has been formed which seems to epitomise this close community spirit. Well, I'm currently in the Church of Immaculate Conception in Seddon, where I'm joined by Father Aidan and also Reverend Dawn Downarder, who's the local Anglican minister. It must have been quite loud on that particular day. Well, it was, it was more the movement that, uh, that I was aware of. Uh, and I moved towards the, the wall so that, uh, you know, not standing out in the middle of the church and keeping an eye on the beams above, and realised I was standing right in front of a statue. I didn't know that it had been drilled up from the bottom and was actually very carefully anchored. Uh, so I had one hand on the wall and the other hand on the statue, and, uh, oh, well, eventually it stopped. And the experience of sharing your church and the congregations coming together, how has that been? Uh, oh, sharing the church? We should have been doing it for years, centuries. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it, I mean, it, it's happened, and I think both Dawn and myself are really making the most of it. It's, a, it's an opportunity for ecumenism that just because we've all got our own buildings doesn't, isn't so easily taken up. But when we, um, we, we share the one building here, and the arrangement is alternative in Ward, we've got a small... Uh, centre that we use uh, besides the church that's been destroyed and will be pulled down but the Anglican church there is available to us if we have a large uh, congregation for baptism or wedding or something like that I just love that the church is working together I, um, when I've had opportunity to talk in the community about what's happening people who don't come to church very often just sort of smile and say, oh, about time, you know. <laughs> Marlborough is famous worldwide for its wineries, and a number of wineries sustained some damage after the quakes, although winemakers in the region admit they got off very lightly. Millions of dollars has been spent in the last few years upgrading wine vats and related equipment to withstand serious earthquakes. The chief winemaker at Villa Maria in Marlborough, George Jerris, says it was a relief to see the equipment did its job. We sustained a little bit of damage, but minimal damage, I'd say, and um, we didn't lose any, didn't lose any wine, so that was good. And you know, the winery's still operating at 100% capacity. What the equipment did do is it stood up to them, and now it's just working through, um, you know, the replacements of the bits that failed, like the, you know, the bolts that hold hold the tanks in, so they all did their bit. 
doesn't trouble the wine at all. Just shaking around, I mean, it, it's nothing. As long as you don't lose it. Are you planning on uh, bringing out a special shaken, not stirred vintage? <laughs> Good idea. With the rebuild now underway, the payments are starting to arrive from the Earthquake Commission, providing emotional and financial stability for many residents. Marlene Thomas, who lives in Seddon, says she's had a good experience with EQC. I was impressed with EQC, actually. Yeah, I was. I put my second claim in. I put one in for the July one, and then I put the second claim in for the August one on the Saturday after the Friday earthquake, and they rang me Sunday to say they'd be at my house on Monday. They reassured me... After the earthquake on the Friday, once they said that my house was sound and it was only sort of cosmetic with the bricks coming off, that, yeah, I felt a lot safer. But the council's recovery manager, Dean Hefford, says there's still a long way to go. We're getting reports back that the cheques are starting to come through. Uh, some people are happy. Some people have got other issues that have been identified as they start the work to repair their properties. And EQC have started coming back and doing some reinspections. I understand. So it's such a long period of recovery and leading into Christmas has its own issues, even during normal times. Um, schools starting to break up. Um, you know, we have communities that are looking at the volume of work. It's very hard to get a tradesman at the moment. There's so much work there that we have to try and prioritise the really needy uh, groups and, and families to make sure that they have the opportunity to secure their houses. We're lucky it's summer. If it was the middle of winter, we'd be talking about different things. But people are starting to plan ahead and seem to be positive at the moment. But then I think there's only a very small percentage of the EQC claims that have come through. So over the next six to eight weeks, we'll start seeing some more issues arise. And, and it's a percentages game. There's bound to be some issues, but we're hoping that we can sort them out. While many people are moving forward with their lives, there is still an underlying concern that another big quake could hit at any time. GNS put out a range of measuring equipment in the days after the first earthquake in July, and its researchers have been closely monitoring the data ever since. The GNS senior scientist Matt Gerstenberger says another big quake is looking less likely. The aftershocks will, will continue for, for some time to come, kind of as we get further and further away. If nothing, no bigger events happen, then kind of the likelihood of one happening in the next day will always decrease. So we, we expect there will be... Other, certainly other felt events. There could be larger ones. Um, it's, it's less likely that that will occur. I mean, the most likely thing, I think, is that it's just going, going to behave like a normal aftershock sequence and, and fade away with some more felt events. But we, we certainly cannot rule out that there will be other strong shaking that could come from it. So have the quakes made locals think twice about living in the Awateri Valley? A teacher at Seddon School, Nick Rayner, says even though he wasn't born and bred here, He's staying put. Put it into perspective, nobody was injured, you know, obviously nobody was killed. I come from England where you know, you've got a high chance of a road traffic accident or you know, the, the overcrowding presents crime issues, which we don't have here. We've got family that live in Aussies, they've got snakes and spiders to contend with, so I try and put it all into perspective. It was, it was, it was something we'd rather not, not have gone through, but you know, we've all coped and we've come through the other side. The mayor of Marlborough, Alistair Soman, says he's not going anywhere either. goes with the territory here. We, we weren't expecting anything like this, but look, I guess I could move somewhere else and the same thing could happen. I, I think we're pretty safe here. And uh, if people are prepared, 
that's what they need to be. And uh, my reassurance of people in Melbourne, you absolutely don't don't leave. You know, we, we've got things under control here. And uh, one of these events happen in a in a lifetime or longer, and uh, hopefully we uh, we're beyond that now. It's hoped the start of a new year will bring new homes and new hope to those worst affected by the Cook Strait quakes. I'm Alison Hossein and that's Insight for this week. If you would like to contact us, you can send an email to insight at radionz.co.nz or send us a tweet at rnz underscore insight. I wrote and presented that programme. It was produced by Philippa Tolley with technical production by Steve Burridge.